0: good morning okay so Chris is a preacher he's loud and you know all that stuff that's not that's not me so I am a teacher at heart and had I gone to college probably would have gotten a degree in education did not go that route I went to ministry training school and became a pastor so word I get to teach you about God's word today <laughs> um, so, I know this is like your spring break, and you guys are like, teachers, eh, because you're done with school right now, but if you can just focus in, okay, I promise that I'll um, bring you some truth from God's word today. Amen? Okay, who has their Bible with them? Yay, good job. Okay, turn to Mark, chapter 11, and would you stand up? We're going to read God's word together and give it honor. Thank you. Good job, y'all following directions. All right, Mark chapter 11, and I'm going to start in verse 12. It'll give everybody time to get there. I'll read slow. It says this, the next morning as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. He noticed a fig tree in full leaf a little way off. So he went over to see if he could find any figs but there were only leaves because it was too early in the season for fruit. Then Jesus said to the tree, may no one ever eat of your fruit again. And the disciples heard him say it. When they arrived back in Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of money changers and the chairs of those selling doves he stopped everyone from using the temple as a marketplace. He said to them, The scriptures declare my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. When the leading priests and teachers of religious law heard what Jesus had done, they began planning how to kill him. But they were afraid of him because the people were so amazed at his teaching. That evening, Jesus and the disciples left the city. The next morning, they passed by the fig tree he had cursed, and the disciples noticed that it had withered. Okay, I want you guys to notice this part. It says, withered from the roots up. Can you guys say that really quick? From the roots up. Got to remember that for later. Peter remembered what Jesus had said to the tree on the previous day, and he exclaimed, Rabbi, look. The fig tree you cursed withered and died. Then Jesus said to the disciples, Have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, May you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe that it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you have received it, it will be yours. But when you are praying... First, forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. You may be seated. Thanks, guys. Okay, like I said, I'm a teacher, so I have a handy-dandy whiteboard. I hope that you guys can see it. I'm not sure if you can over there. <laughs> not not so much. All right. Well, maybe I can, like, turn it. <laughs> I don't know. I'll try. <laughs> Um. Anyway, so the title for today is called Abide, all right? Chris started using the analogy of a plant last night, right? He brought the pot of plant out, which I was going to bring up here, but then the guys found this whiteboard, and it's way easier to show you roots if I draw it instead of killing the plant by ripping it up out of the pot, right? <laughs> so, I know I would feel so sad because we named him, so I didn't want to have to kill him. So, um, <laughs> I'm going to... I'm just going to go ahead and draw a plant with roots and stuff for y'all in a minute, okay? Actually, Caleb, where are you? Would you come up here for a second, please? I know you hate this. Thank you, buddy. Can you, can you draw? Okay, he's a better artist than I am anyway. All right. So, this whole story that we just read took place after Jesus' triumphal entry. We just celebrated Easter last week. So, you guys remember what the triumphal entry was? Yes? Yes? No? Maybe? Anybody? You guys awake? Okay. So, triumphal entry is when they are screaming Hosanna and waving those prong, you know, palm leaf thingies and throwing them on the ground. And Jesus is riding on a donkey and they're all looking at him like, why are you on a donkey? King's supposed to be on this big white horse and you're on a donkey and it's not just any donkey it is a baby donkey y'all so it's a tiny teeny non-scary non-authoritative kind of animal (laughs) and here comes Jesus the king being proclaimed king right they're yelling Hosanna glory to he who comes in the name of the Lord they're proclaiming him to be their king but here he is on a donkey so we see Jesus coming into the city After that, he goes back to Bethany for the night, which is a pattern that he does throughout the whole week leading up to the crucifixion, okay? Um, And as far as we can tell, he and his disciples are staying with Lazarus, which is the dude he rose from the dead. You guys remember that story? Okay. Lazarus, who lives with his sisters, Mary and Martha. If you guys um, remember the story of Mary and Martha, Mary's the one that sat at Jesus' feet and Martha was busy about doing the work. So I kind of relate to Martha a little. I'm a little bit of a worker, like I don't really sit too often. Um, When there's something to be done, it just bothers me, so I get up and do it. So anyway, I'm thinking about this and I'm thinking, Martha has got 13 men, 13 grown men, staying in her house for a week, guys, a week. And she is taking care of their food. She is picking up their dirty sandals off the floor. I mean, come on. That would just about drive me nuts. Poor Martha. So, for imagination's sake, because it doesn't say this in the Bible, but in my mind, this is how it went down. Martha just put out, you know, like a little continental breakfast juice and fruit and whatever and said, beat it, because she was (laughs) tired of cleaning it up after him and cooking for him. So Jesus is hungry on the road, right? And he sees this tree. That much we do know is true. Um, So he sees this fig tree, right? And so he's looking at it and he's like, oh, yes, I'm hungry. So he walks up and he says, there's no fruit on this tree. And Mark points out, right, in verse 13, that it's not time for figs yet. Okay, they ripen in the autumn, not the spring. This happened in the spring. Passover's in the spring. Um, So here's a tree, right? We got Caleb did a great job. So you guys want to see this tree? I'll move it. Can you see it over there? No? Sorry. That's the best I got. Um, Oh, I don't know. I'll put it up here. (laughs) I'm afraid this thing is going to topple over. I think it is. Shoot. All right. Well, I'm sorry, guys, over there you can't see it. (laughs) It's going to tip over. But it's a cool tree. Um, So anyway, spring is when the leaves come on. You guys seen? seen the buds, right? We've all anybody with allergies has experienced the pollen, right? So we know it's spring. We know that stuff is coming, but there isn't fruit yet, correct? We don't have apples growing yet. Um and this this particular passage of scripture has always kind of struck me as weird because I grew up in the country. Yes, it's true. How many of you guys been to camp in Carlinville? Yeah. Okay. Those of you that have not, driving out here, did you see country? Right? You saw like like nothing, and then there was a house, and then there was nothing, and then there was a house? All right, y'all. That's where I come from. I grew up in Michigan at the end of a dirt road. That's right, a dirt road. Not a hard road, not a gravel road. It is a dirt road. There is a difference. Um, my parents, God bless them, are a little bit hillbilly, and I love it. <laughs> And we grew every year a garden. Every year at the end of our dirt road with our 15 acres, we grew a garden. We lived next door to a 100-acre tree farm. I'm trying to think of how to put that in perspective. It's bigger than a couple city blocks, okay? And it's just trees, just trees. (laughs) So (laughs) think of that. Like Like if you guys are walking back to your cabin tonight and you see any deer, like that was my backyard we just it's just how I grew up anyway so we plant garden every year and every year we would plant corn and I'm going to use this as an example because I know you've had to have seen a corn at least sometime in your life living in Illinois driving anywhere outside of the city you had to have seen a corn okay so every year we planted in spring we usually plant in late May early June okay just for context sake So I did not ever walk out to that corn stalk when it started to get as tall as me and go, all right, where's the corn? Right? I didn't walk out in mid-July saying, okay, corn, come on, where you at? And get mad at the corn stalk for not having corn because I was hungry. I didn't do that. That's not how it works. So I just always thought that was super funny that Jesus would get mad at this tree, right? I'm like, okay, you made trees Jesus. You know, you're the one who spoke them into existence. You know how seasons work. You're the one who made the sun and the moon and the stars. You set our earth spinning. You made seasons. You made a time for growing and a time for harvesting. You made a time for planting. Like, this was your idea. So why are you yelling at this poor tree? Right? (laughs) Like, I I was dumbfounded by this passage. So, um, a lot, oftentimes, we get, you know, a little bit caught up in that. We think, okay, Lord, you're yelling at a tree. But it's not the tree, if you really think about it, is it? It's not the tree he's upset about. It's fruitlessness. And this is, this is where it gets powerful, because he comes back to it later in the, in the story. It's fruitness, fruitlessness that offends Christ, and that's my first point. Now he goes on to Jerusalem and directly into the temple. And I'm just going to summarize this part because there's a whole, whole section of this talk that I actually deleted because it was so long. (laughs) But really talking about the temple and about religious um, rituals that go on in the temple and about why it was such a big deal that they were selling animals. And they had set up money changing kiosks right there in the middle of the temple grounds, which was the only by the way that Gentiles could come to see the Lord they had set up a marketplace in the part where you and I because we're not Jews could go and find God in doing so they were spitting in the face of the promise that God had given Abraham Genesis God says to Abraham I will bless you and you will be a blessing to who do you guys remember all the nations not just their little area not just their little family not their clan they're gonna be a blessing to the nations plural they were spitting in the face of that promise by setting up that market there that ticked Jesus off just a little bit because then he starts flipping crap over (laughs) right (laughs) like I am NOT normally a very like wild or rowdy person, but when I get mad, how about it? (laughs) I'm looking up at my kids up there. They've seen me really mad before. Like when I get mad, watch out. So I kind of feel like I can feel Jesus in this moment. Like he had to have been ticked off. He is flipping tables over. Doves are flying out of the cages, guys. Lambs are running away. Money is flying everywhere because they had to pay a temple tax. The temple tax was set up in Hebrew shekels, which didn't exist because they're occupied by anybody. Remember, Caleb? Come on, I know you know this. <laughs> Rome—they were occupied by Rome. So um, during during this time, none of the money is Hebrew shekels, right? It's all set up in the Roman currency with the picture of Caesar on it. That's when he says, "Render to Caesar what Caesar's." Remember. Okay. All right. So anyway, the the whole this whole cacophony gets the leaders all angry and they have decided he's got to go. He has got to go. Because you see, the fruitless religion offended Jesus. The fruitless religion offended Jesus. Their fruitless religion. Pharisees They loved Jesus. Well, they claimed to love God their whole lives. They dedicated themselves, right, to going to church, following all the rules. So, well, so they should be okay, right? Mm -mm. They hated Christ because he was different. But at the end of yet another remarkable day, Jesus retreats to the safety of Bethany again. THE NEXT DAY ARRIVES, AND THE GROUP, ONCE MORE, IS MAKING THEIR WAY OVER THE MOUNT OF OLIVES AND and INTO JERUSALEM. AND THERE'S THE FIG TREE THAT THEY HAD SEEN. ONLY THIS TIME, IT'S ALL WITHERED. SO NONE OF THE BRANCHES ARE LEFT. THE BIBLE ACTUALLY MAKES A POINT TO SAY Withered from what? I asked you guys to remember something. What did I say to remember? The roots up, that's right. Withered from the roots up. So don't forget that part, that's important. How does a plant grow? Come on, anybody take botany or anything in school? Come on. Seeds, it starts out as a seed, right? You got this little seed, oh guy. And then, what does it sprout first? Oh, this guy isn't working. Yeah, it grows down first, doesn't it? It doesn't come up first, it grows down first. Okay, so we got to start with roots. What are you rooted in? What is this holding you down? Like what's holding you in? Roots. Okay, so our roots are holding our plant. This poor marker is dead. Our roots are holding our plant up, right? This tree will never bear fruit again. This tree that Jesus cursed is never going to give another fig ever. It's gone. In the tree, in the temple, it's both fruitlessness. Fruitlessness of the lives that cause causes Christ to be offended, right? Peter remarks on the tree and he says that Jesus has taken and Jesus takes this opportunity to give them teaching on prayer. So in verse 21, Jesus starts talking about prayer. And he starts off, in essence, by saying, yes, of course it's withered. What did you expect? That's what happens when you pray with faith. It was one of those moments where Jesus is looking at these guys, shaking his head, going, duh. (laughs) You know, when are you going to get it? So Jesus is speaking in general terms in this next portion. And when he talks about a mountain being removed, he's probably standing next to the Mount of Olives. Okay, so he's using what's around him to teach his disciples here. And he's saying that you can say to this mountain, be moved. It's easy to take this passage in the wrong way. And a lot of people in our fellowship do this often. And they use it to say... You know it's the power of positive thinking and if we just believe really hard then we're gonna get our miracle that is not what jesus is saying here god bless them that is actually completely out of context the power of positive thinking does not in fact bring a guarantee or dramatic answer to prayer we cannot use these verses that way you see submitting our heart And our will to God's will is essential for prayer. It's essential. Our knowledge of his will is often far from perfect though, isn't it? We cannot use the fact that we don't know as a reason. We have to seek him. We have to ask what to pray for. Sometimes there's situations that you just don't know what to do you don't know what to do, you don't even know what to pray. What does the Bible say to that? Does anybody remember? The Holy Spirit will help you pray when you don't know what to pray. That's why we have the Holy Spirit in our lives. He helps us when we don't know what to do when we don't know what to say. He's right there. Jesus is saying that if we want our prayers to be answered, we must be people of commitment, not people of doubt. The book of James, which is often said to have been written by Jesus's brother, not one of the twelve disciples, picks up the theme in his letter, James 1, verses 5-8, through 8, and then James five, fifteen through 16 he talks actually in length about this. The first of those passages in particular is helpful when we're thinking about what Jesus is saying here. Doubting is a state of mind, okay? Doubting is a state of mind. It's a condition which makes it impossible for God to work through your prayers, If your mind is not right, your prayers are not going to be answered, okay? This is another fruitless, it's fruitless prayer. Praying with doubt is fruitless prayer. Then Mark adds another verse on here, which is possibly from a different teaching, but he's using it because it goes with it. And it's barriers to successful prayer. Prayer can be effective only on the basis of a clear and open relationship with the Lord. Holding on to resentment interrupts that relationship. We need to be people who, like him, forgive easily. We need to be people who, like him, forgive easily. Does anybody else have a hard time forgiving? I kind of have struggles with that sometimes, guys. I've loved Jesus for 31 years. I've been a Christian for 31 years, which is longer than most y'all been alive (laughs) but I have loved Jesus for that long and I am telling you it's still hard sometimes so take heart because even if it's still hard for me sometimes it's okay you're gonna make it (laughs) you just have to allow the Lord to use you and continue to help you grow in those areas we cannot claim to walk in an intimate relationship with the Lord when we are out of fellowship with our fellow believers Some manuscripts include a verse 26 that says, but if you do not forgive others, your Father who is in heaven will not forgive your sins. This is a fruitless life. So fruitless tree, fruitless religion, fruitless prayer, fruitless life, so what's the point? Right? The point is this, beware of fruitless attitudes and behaviors. So how do we avoid fruitlessness? I told you the title was abide. I have not talked about abiding yet, and you're like, oh my gosh, girl, (laughs) where are you going? Here we go. John 15 tells us, "Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will pro- produce much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like useless branch and withers. Withers like the fr- fig tree we we're talking about." But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you will ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples and you bring great glory to my Father. So if you're taking notes, that was John 15. I started in verse 5 and read you through verse 8. So abide in the true vine and produce fruit that will last. So let's get practical for just a minute. I, this is where like more like practicality. How you how how do you do this? What does this actually mean? Abiding is defined as continue as to continue without fading or without being lost. To live or dwell in. Not just visit on Sunday. Not just hang out with Jesus on Thursday to dwell in him now this is a really super powerful image speaking again as a country kid the image here has been one of my favorites I love this passage I've had it memorized since I was very young this passage speaks to my soul (laughs) This is, we are, okay, so I'm going to show you guys again. Okay, Jesus is saying that he is the vine. And with the, with the drawing of a tree, Jesus is saying that he is not just the trunk, he's the root. We are out here, guys. We're the branches. We're the fruit-bearing part of this plant. Okay, if we get cut off, remove ourselves from this part, which is connected to this part, which is where we get water, nutrients, everything we need. This is where life comes from. If we don't have it, there is no fruit. Now, I know you're thinking, any of you that are particularly into plants, you're like, what about photosynthesis? Can't we do that with our leaves? Shut up. That's not what I'm talking about. (laughs) Talking about water and nitrogen. The nitrogen cycle actually happens in the soil, which you need to make a fruit, Okay. (laughs) You can't just have photosynthesis and make fruit. All right, anyway. We can't live without the root, just like the tree can't live without the root. The thing that feeds us and brings us life is Jesus. And without the source of that life, we too will wither and die. So that's more than just reading your Bible, guys. Okay, this is where it gets kind of a little bit practical. Like, how many of you heard from someone in your life, you need to read your Bible and pray? Right? You guys have probably heard that a hundred times. Okay, I'm not talking about opening up a book, right, sit down, because you read books for school, you just sit there and read it, it's not changing your life. You sit down and you can read War and Peace and you're going to walk away scratching your head. You might understand it, you might not. (laughs) This is what I mean. The Bible is more than just words on a page. It changes you if you allow it. Reciting memorized words like, Our Father, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Right? You guys know all that one, don't you? (laughs) And if you are from a Catholic background right? You can do the Hail Mary? No? (laughs) Chris can. (laughs) Uh, So praying is more than just repeating rote memorized words. Reading your Bible is more just more than just looking at words on a page. You have to read God's Word with purpose. You study it, right? You find a good Bible that you can understand you do not have to read the King James, okay? You don't. My favorite is New Living, just to be real with you. I like New Living; that one's my favorite. Um, I like how they word things, you know. And I have another Bible upstairs; it's an ESV, I think, and it's a it's a C.S. Lewis translation, so it's got some of his writings interspersed, and I love that. I'm a junkie for old stuff. Anyway, ask questions don't just read it ask questions you don't understand something find somebody that you can ask leaders that means you have to read your Bibles more than your kids you just do and if you don't know the answer you have to say in an honest moment you know what I don't know but let's find out and help them find out don't just say you go find out you help them find out so when somebody asks you that question again you've got the answer oh that gets on my nerves it You cannot teach somebody to go somewhere you have not been. You can't. So, leaders, I need you to be there. Be an abider. Teach them how to abide by doing it and showing them how to do it. Okay, I'm getting off my soapbox now. All right. Um, Look up the history of the passages that you're reading so you can gain perspective, guys. Jesus, words didn't happen in a, a vacuum. They were, Jesus was alive during Roman occupation of Israel. And if you look up what Roman occupation is in ancient Roman culture, all of these words and these teachings and the illustrations are going to like, you're going to actually get what he was talking about. You go even further back, the prophets, they were written during some of the times, that like, you know, this king overtook this, you know. Have you ever read any of the Old Testament, guys? Anybody dig into that stuff? there's some crazy stuff in there and you can actually understand what the heck they're talking about if you go back and read the history of it I'm just saying I know you're like "blah, history's so boring not if you put it in light of real living breathing people and it's going to change how you can read God's word to you right alright and then meditate on it and I'm not talking about sitting in a pretzel emptying your mind okay? No om, none of that stuff. Okay, I'm talking about allowing God's Word to roll over in your mind. Savor it like you would a good piece of chocolate. I, I don't chew them. I suck on my chocolate. Anybody else do that? <laughs> so it lasts for a long time. So that's why you want to pretend like this. You've got this piece of scripture that you're just rolling over in your head, and you are thinking about it, and you're allowing the deep meaning to really take hold of your heart, right? Your word, O Lord, have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you, is in the book of Psalms. I have known that one since I was 10. Whenever I get super, like, stressed out or upset, I say that to myself a lot of times. You know why? Because the truth is that his word is my guide. His word is the truth. And his word has never failed me. Not one time. For 30 years, guys, 30 years. And it doesn't mean that every day of my life has been roses. Trust me, it's not. But that's another story for another day. (laughs) Loving Jesus doesn't mean that you don't have to face crap, because you do. Just saying. Okay, now praying. Praying fervently and passionately. And then listen. I know, (gasps) shut up. Talk to God like you talk to your friends, guys. Would you walk up, come here for a second, Gio. Okay. Would you walk up to Gio and start talking to him and literally just ramble on your list? Like, hey Gio, I need to just thank you for being such a great friend and I just want you to know that you are amazing and this is what I need to do today. And like give him your list and then see ya. Is that how it goes? Would he wanna be your friend? Right? No, thank you. He would not. He would be like, what the heck is that crazy person? <laughs> so you don't just give them your list. You don't even just say nice things. Like thanking God and giving glory to God and then walking away is still kind of weird, yo. Just saying. It's rude, actually. If you wouldn't be happy having a relationship with somebody, being in a friendship with somebody without conversation, then how can you expect God to be happy with that kind of a relationship from us? We treat God this way, guys. We ramble for a while, repeating things that we've heard. Sometimes other things we heard other people pray. Sometimes it's things we've read in the Bible and we just say it, because it sounds good. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renews that fast spirit within me. Amen, We'll walk away. We don't wait, we don't listen. We don't listen for what God is gonna renew in you. You gotta listen. And you're probably like, well, God doesn't talk to me out loud. God doesn't talk to me out loud either. (laughs) He doesn't. I don't get some, you know, booming voice from the sky. I don't have the handwriting on the wall. Like that's just not how it goes. You know, for most of us, it's a still quiet voice inside of our hearts, inside of our minds that we know that it's the Lord. You know when you know that you know that it was the Lord. You didn't think that. Most of the time, it's because I know I couldn't have thought of that on my own, <laughs> or I wouldn't want to think of that on my own, especially if it's something that's convicting. And I'm like, "Ah, dang! Come on, Lord, I was okay with that just being there." <laughs> and He's like, "Anna, Christina, this right here, this attitude right here, this has got to go." And then I have to say, "Okay, Lord, Your will, not mine," right? alright sometimes we do another thing that I don't like we sing words like show me your glory and God says why you don't value me you don't spend time with me why we talk about revival actually Chris is probably gonna talk about that later on we talk about digging up sin we talk about getting rid of things but what are you replacing it with If you don't replace it with abiding in God's word, guys, you're going to go back to your sin. You're going to be sitting on another mountain of buried sin. might be a different one, but you're going to replace it with something. Okay. Closing out, I just wanted to let you guys know, abiding leads to life. Abiding leads to life. Fruitless leads to death. Okay. For our altar time, because... um, well I just I don't really do altar calls very well (laughs) so this is what I want you to do I want you to get in groups with your room okay so all the counselors group up your people okay and then I want you guys to take turns discussing how you can abide I want you to figure out what that means talk it through in the culture in which Jesus is speaking that's how they taught They asked each other questions and they waited and allowed them to ruminate and answer they didn't just Jesus didn't give his disciples answers if you really look at a lot of his words there are a lot of questions aren't they And we have to ruminate and we have to decide for ourselves so I want y'all to use your brains (laughs) group up with your group up with your people start thinking about what it means to abide and the other thing I want you to talk about with each other and this is gonna be a little bit vulnerable want you to talk about the fruitless areas of your lives. And leaders, lead. Talk about the fruitless areas of your own life. Be real. They know anyway. They can see it. All right. Go ahead.